want to dive into the message today. I, I am pumped about this service and really, uh, really, here's the deal. We went from two services down to one, so you kind of get like all of it. It's like, bam, like you're going to get it all. Um, but I, I, I felt the real call and tug to do a brand new series called Unstuck. I, I didn't know what the title was. Our team got together and said, let's call it Unstuck. And I thought, man, that's brilliant because what I realized was COVID kind of messed us all up. Can, can I get an amen? Did COVID kind of mess you up just a little? And if those of you that are not saying amen, you're just lying anyway. God's going to deal with you. Just wait till the end. It's part of my message. I mean, in some level, some way it messed you up. I know your business is blessed, but not every aspect of your life walked through unscathed. There were things that have been messed up. What you mean? You can't even live life normally. I mean, we were, think about this. I had someone, I was at the doctor's office doing some blood work, and someone sat beside me, and the first, first thought I had, he, they, 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 he had a mask, and I thought, what, what are you doing, man? You're too close. I thought, look, I've already been impacted by the mentality of fear. When did we get afraid to have someone sit right next to us? I know he's in a doctor's office, but he's got a mask. I got a mask. I just thought even though you think you haven't been impacted, every one of us have been impacted. And it snuck up on us, right? I mean, come on, somebody. I mean, if you remember when March happened, we thought this was going to last for a couple of weeks, right? And so it impacts you in a little bit of a different way. What happened is we started to let our guards down and we began to compromise. It's, it's okay to compromise when it's a short amount of time, right? You say, Pastor, it's never right to compromise. Well, come on. How many ever compromise when you're on vacation? Come on, I'm not talking about sinning. Why did your mind go to sin? I'm talking about compromising on the time that I get up in the morning. I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. on my vacationness. I'm actually gonna sleep till 10. I may get up, eat breakfast, go back, take a nap, come on somebody, sleep some more, and then I might get up if I feel like it. I'm probably gonna watch a movie, and then I'm gonna snuggle up with my honey bunny. Come on, somebody, that's what vacay looks like. I don't care what's happening to the kids as long as they're still breathing. <laughs> but you can't live like that. That's vacation. And I think at the beginning of coronavirus, we all were on vacation, right? I mean, don't lie, you still ain't getting dressed for your Zoom calls. <laughs> like if it was a full body camera, we'd be in trouble. How many caught yourself or an employer, coworker, you're like, hey bro, you gotta put your pants on, bro. I know you got a dress shirt. Right? I, I'll never forget the first time we, 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 we stepped out of the house from, from quarantine or social distancing, and I, I, I forgot what it was like to get dressed. I'm like, I've been, I've been wearing shorts and, and workout shirts and, and sweats, and I'm like, man, I didn't want to put on jeans. Come on, I didn't want to put on a button-up. And then, then you go into the place, and you're like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I like my mask. I like looking like a bank robber. And I try to cover up as much so nobody knows who I am. You know, you just cover them eyes. And then, come on, you know what I mean? It's like, I can't tell who, who are you. you and, and so what's happened, and this is what I'm concerned about, is that now the mask that was on the inside has actually become on the outside, and we're a reflection of what we're seeing. And the enemy is causing us to now put a mask more than we've ever put. Think about this. When did church become an option when social distancing went into effect? Church wasn't an option before social distancing. 
physical isolation. And here's the thing, right? At first, church is online. It's amazing. Like God speaking through pasta and he's there and Vanessa, my God, how does someone look so amazing? She is a, she ought to be on America's Got Talent. Doing those runs. I told her, I said, look, if you get up and sing, it's all, that's all that matters. It's good. You got it, girl. You make me look good. And you were engaged. And think about this first couple of weeks, you probably even got dressed for church. Because pastor said, go ahead, get your dresses on and your, your pants on, sit, sit down. And then after a while, how I many know you used to get up early, you'd have breakfast before service. But then, then, then it's like, no, 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 just get, here, we'll eat breakfast while service is going on. At least we made it. Well, then that least we made it turned to, well, we'll miss it. And then that, well, we'll miss just one turns into a pattern and a lifestyle. And here's the problem. What started off as a compromise, what started off as, hey, it's not forever, now has become your new lifestyle. And now it's become the habit of your life. And you start to slip back into the, ooh, some, thank God this rose empty. Somebody got baptized with that. It just... Owen, do you need to be baptized again? Come on, some, come on, somebody. Benny Henya. I shouldn't, I'm sorry. If you don't know who that is, it's okay. So it's become a lifestyle. It's become who you are. See, see you, you came to church today and think about this, the old habits that you didn't struggle with, you're now struggling with. The old addictions that you overcame, now they've overcome you. The old thoughts that you thought were never gonna come back have come back to haunt you, and now you're living in a place where you're stuck. You were once delivered, and now you can't seem to move forward. You are stuck, but it didn't happen just instantly, and that's the challenge. It was this simple, slow, it was, a, listen, the devil is not original, but he's effective. He's effective. And what we did was we put our guards down and we said, well, I'm okay. We're going to make it. Maybe it didn't really matter. And here's the problem with it is at the beginning, you didn't see the change, but the change was happening on the inside because anytime you want to see change, change never is manifested in the outside first. It's always manifested on the inside first. So the enemy knew if I can get in their heart, if I can get in their soul, if I can get in their thoughts, then what will happen is that change will take place on the outside. Think about it. We started watching more Netflix, more movies. How many watched all the Netflix? You're like, I'm just going to cancel because it all, I was going to say probably cuss word to some. and You know what I mean? And so, so what, what did you do? Here, here's the problem with television. None of this is my notes. So this is just free of charge. Look, here's the problem with television it's going to tell you a vision and so you sat there all through coronavirus allowing the enemy who has owned the platform and especially that platform of netflix if you watch through it just gradually gets in there do they have good stuff i don't know this is what i know the best stuff you can get inside is called the b-i-b-l-e you want to get a vision for your life read the bible and let it tell you who you already are tell the vision. And so we just let the enemy tell us the vision, tell us the vision, tell us the vision. And then for long, we began to live out the vision, and now we're, we're, we're struggling in the marriage that once was healed. Now you're headed for divorce. Your kids are arguing. There's strife. There's all this disagreement. You, you, you've, you've lost the ability 
to overcome the economy and the natural. You say, well, what do you mean? God is not recession-proof. God is not limited by this natural economy. And so where you were giving, where you were tithing, where you were sowing, jumping into God's economy, now you've stopped and you become subject to the things of this world. You stop living under heaven's kingdom. So I know you're a Christian, and that's, 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 the, that's the challenge, right? The enemy can't steal your salvation, but he can't steal your destiny. That's even more scary, like not, not, because my salvation is secure. He can't rob you of that. But what we will do is we will pacify the desires of the flesh. And the Bible says, like the church of Laodicea, you become lukewarm. And God says, I will spew you out of my mouth. There is something about people that have become passive in their purpose. There is something about it. When you forgot who you are, you don't live as the person God created you to be. And the enemy is okay with that. Just shut up, sit down, be quiet, live the life I've called you. There there has to be a church. There has to be a people. There has to be men, women, teenagers, and children that stand up and say, listen, enough is enough. I'm not going to live the vision of the enemy. I choose to bring heaven to earth. And I want you to know there's hope. If you found yourself stuck back in the old thoughts and the old life and the old pattern, some of you you were never free. Maybe you came today and you were stuck before Corona and you're even stuck more now during Corona. I want you to know there's hope. I'm grateful that 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the spirit of God is in this place. The spirit of God is in this house and he is here to bring freedom to your life. I want you to know you're in the right place at the right time. If you're watching online, you're in the right place at the right time. I wanna spend just a couple of minutes in Acts 27 and 28. The passage that I began to read a couple of months ago, and due to our time, I want to make sure that I'm careful with our time here. I'm not going to read it all, but I want to encourage you to go back and read Acts 27 and 28. It's the story of Paul being shipwrecked on the isle, island of Malta. He is a prisoner. He has been sent to Rome because he made an appeal to Caesar. And so centurions are transporting him to Italy so that he can go to Rome and stand before Caesar. And he finds himself on a voyage on a ship. And on this voyage, he gave a warning saying, we should not take this trip. We should go and wait and harbor through this season. And they refused to listen to Paul. And they find themselves in a disastrous storm. And the storm didn't happen for just one day or two days or three days. It goes on for 14 days. How many know if you're in the sea and you are in a storm for 14 days, you are experiencing some pain? It was so bad, it says that they didn't eat. They, they, they had gotten rid of all the stuff on the ship. They're afraid. They, they're about to die. They're scared. I think some of you have found yourself in this place, and you are in a storm. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe this whole coronavirus has got you afraid. You're afraid because you've got someone who, who is not healthy in your life, and you don't want to get them sick. Maybe you're afraid for your kids. You don't want them to contract this disease, and there's just this fear that has come upon your life, and you realize, I'm in the middle of a storm. I didn't struggle with fear, but now I'm struggling with fear. Maybe it's a physical storm. Maybe you are sick. Maybe you have a sickness or cancer. And you're struggling with this and you find yourself in the middle of the storm. You're trying to believe Isaiah 53, 5, by your stripes I'm healed. But then the pain comes back on your body and you realize, listen, I'm fighting for my very life. 
Maybe you're in a spiritual storm. You've, you've disconnected from God. You, you feel like you're living in a, a fog, a haze. It's like, God, you left me. I want you to know God's never left you. He will never leave you. He is there for you. In fact, he's the one that brought you to this place. He's the one that got you on that live stream. And now he is here with you. Maybe it's a relational storm. Your spouse, you're like, I love you, but I'm going to kill you. Come on, somebody. And your kids, you're like, I am going to kill you because I made you and I will take you out and God will forgive me. It's a relational storm. You're like, that ain't my kid. Nah, nah, that's hers. And they must be adopted. Like, I, I don't know. Right? I mean, there's a relational storm. But here's what I know. Paul, in the middle of the storm, he has an angel come and visit him and tell him, Paul, you're going to make it. You're not going to die. You will live. You've got to go to Rome. In other words, Paul, you've got a purpose. I've got a destiny for your life. And if you will hold on to my word, you will not die in this storm. I came to tell you, you're not going to die in the storm. God's got a message for you. God's got a word for you. God brought you to this place because he's going to bring you out. And so now Paul, he goes and he tells the officer and the people, I like Paul. Paul's a little, he's a little cantankerous. He's a little ornery. He goes back and he basically says, I told you so. You know, anybody ever wanted to say that? I told you so. I told you we shouldn't have gone this way. He said, but I want you to know the Lord spoke to me. We're going to make it, but the ship will run aground. And so he's telling him, listen, we're going to make it, but the ship's not going to make it. We're, we're going to be in a shipwreck, but every person, if you'll follow what the Lord spoke and what I tell you, you will make this voyage safely. So let me get us into... Acts 28.1, and this is where it picks up. It says, so they safely made it on the shore. We found out that the island was called Malta. Now, if you've ever been to Malta, it is gorgeous. Phyllis and I, a couple of years ago, went with some of our pastor friends on a European cruise, and it was absolutely breathtaking. I didn't realize how amazing that place was. But I, I was thinking, you know, one man's paradise can be another man's prison. Why? Because he wasn't supposed to be there. He was supposed to be somewhere else. But here's what I also know. In this passage, Paul says we must run aground. And so being shipwrecked, though God didn't cause it, was still a part of God's purpose and God's will for his life. Listen, God didn't cause your situation. God's not trying to shipwreck your life. But I want you to know this will mess up your theology. God, in his infinite wisdom, will use it to move forward his purpose, his kingdom, and to help you be a better version of yourself. And so we know that in this, it was a portion, it was God's plan. And so from that, what happens is we see Paul ministering to the people. Crazy things happen. He got bit by a snake. I mean, if it didn't get worse, he gets shipwrecked. They're building a fire just trying to stay warm. A viper bites him. People think he's going to die. He doesn't die. I'm going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. He, they, he didn't live up to their expectation. Come on, somebody. He didn't get scared because they thought he was going to die. He knew the God inside of him was greater than the devil around him. And some of you need to know that. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. You got to come back. So here he's, you, you know, he could be down and out, but he begins to pray and he prays for a man that's sick, the leader of the community, his dad, and he's healed. And then it says every person that was sick comes to Paul and he, they are healed. So imagine that the devil shipwrecked him and God used that shipwreck to bring healing to the entire island. God will use the place of your greatest pain to bring you to a place of your greatest impact. 
Some of you are just focused on the pain instead of focused on what God wants to do in and through the pain. Then look at verse 10. She's got a couple of thoughts I wanna share with you, but this is what it hinges around. It says, they honored us in many ways. So this is the end of their, their time on the island. And as I read this passage, these four words stuck out to me. Remember I told you there's a difference between logos and rhema. Logos is the written word of God. It's all the word of God, but the rhema speaks to your spirit. That's why the Bible is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's, it's alive. It's cutting soul and spirit. And so it's dividing our hearts. And in this, these words stuck out to me through this pandemic. It says, when we were ready, I was feeling stuck, having a pity party. God, I don't know what we're going to do. Look at the church. Only a few people are coming back. God, what are we going to do? My marriage, my kids, our finances, just like everybody else got problems, just like you. Someone said, well, you're perfect. No, baby, there are no perfect people in church. This is a hospital for the hurting, not a museum for the perfect. And so many times you can say, oh, they're perfect. No, baby, there are no perfect people. I'm just on a spiritual journey of healing just like you, and my goal is to be just ahead. Just come on, let's keep moving forward. You're not perfected until we cross over into eternity. And so I'm like, okay, God, and these four words, when we were ready. What happened? When they were ready, God had a vehicle, another ship to get them off of the island. And what's amazing is when it was time for them to go, the people supplied everything they needed. They were supplied with, with, with what was needed. They were supplied with what was stolen. They were supplied with what was robbed. Some of you are so concerned about what you lost, you're not concerned about the assignment. God's got you where he's got you because there's an assignment. God will take care of the stuff when you take care of the people. Say so God, I, so he was on assignment. God supplied through the people everything. When? When Paul was ready. When he was ready. What do you mean ready? Fully prepared. Fully doing the work of God in the season that he found himself. So here's my question to you. Are you ready? Oh God, I want to get unstuck. Okay, great. Are you ready? See, God's ready when you're ready. See, God's ready. He's been ready. Something like, oh, God, help me. God, won't you? God, please. And that's good. That's great. We're going to pray to God. But this is what I know. As I pray for God to do what only God can do, I'm not going to stay stuck in self-pity. I'm not going to stay stuck in this mess. I choose to say, God, I'm ready. I choose to advance my life forward. I choose to make sure that I am ready. It's not passive. It's not something you sit by and just say, okay, one day. No, see, if it's passive, you become a victim. Come on, somebody. I, I, I get it. It's like, well, I'll change when they change. No, baby, you are the catalyst for change. You don't wait for someone else to change. Change is on the inside of you. You are free already. Someone say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't feel free. Well, 
Galatians tells us otherwise, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Think about it. You've been called. Do you know what that word in the Greek means? It means you've been invited. The price has already been paid. Jesus already gave his life on the cross. He willingly bled out, and the blood of Jesus has already paid for every single promise that God wants to go into your life. Freedom has already been paid. The price has already been paid, and some of you are asking him to do it. He's like, baby, baby girl, come on. I need you to know I've already done it. I just need you to walk in it. Here's the challenge. You can say you want help and not really want help. See, I think we normalize our dysfunction. We come complacent. See, it's easier for me to make excuses than it is for me to take responsibility. See, I, I can make an excuse. Listen, I ain't got no job because I ain't got no car. Ain't nobody will help me. I ain't got a job because I ain't got a GED. Come on, somebody. All I know is you could put two people in the same situation and one is a victim and one is a victor. One says I can't and one says I can. One says it won't and one says it will. And so you have to make a decision. God, I know you're ready. I'm ready. I'm ready, God. I'm ready, God. I'm not going to be a victim and allow this world to dictate who I am. There is a champion on the inside of you. The question is, will you allow the champion to be free? Here, here's the problem, right? It, takes, it takes, takes courage to take responsibility. It really does. See, if I blame you, and I blame the church, and I blame God, and I blame my boss, and I blame my upbringing, and I blame my last name, and I blame my bank account, then I never have to take responsibility. But the day I take responsibility, there is courage that has to rise up, which means I am where I'm at because of my choices. And if it wasn't my choices, it doesn't matter because God will raise me up out of that situation. Here's what I know. When God gives you a word, there is no devil in hell that can stop what God wants to do and you've got to realize I choose to be already the person that God has made me I'm already that I don't have to perform I just have to become see some of you are trying to perform your way out of it baby just be who you already are see when you perform it it's an external motivation when I become oh baby see I already know see you could put me in the city broke but I'm a millionaire so you put me in the city broke and you give me a year and I'll be a millionaire somebody said oh pastor you a millionaire oh baby I am a millionaire I don't care what my bank account says I don't care what it looks like I know that on the inside of me I am wealthy oh pastor we pay your salary no baby God is the one that gives me resources my resources ain't limited to this church come on somebody your resources aren't limited to your J-O-B are you kidding your job can't provide what God's asked you to live up to the only one that can provide that is God 
So why are you limiting to your paycheck? That's the worst thing you could ever do. My God is unlimited. Some of you have got dreams. Some of you have got businesses. Some of you have got nonprofits. Some of you have got these things that have been on the inside and the limitation of resources has caused you to step back, to give up, to quit. And now you sit back and it's almost a victim mentality, but God told me to tell you, he came today to get your hopes up, to get your eyes on him so that he could bring forth the dream that is dormant in your life. I told you, you're getting like the double barrel. That's because we only got one service. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Don't want to scare off all my new people. Courage, courage. It takes courage to take a chance. It takes courage to take a risk. Because here's what has to happen. You can't care what people think about you. So here's, here's the question I have to ask. Are you trying to build your reputation or God's? See, when you realize that if God spoke, God has to do, the pressure's off of me. I'm responsible for obedience. God's responsible for the outcome. I'll never forget with the building. Those of you that are brand new, I want you to know we got a brand new campus. Come on, somebody. It's amazing. It's the old tractor supply property. And we're hoping in the next six to eight weeks, we're gonna start construction. That's the goal. That's what we're believing for. Goal is to be in their first service for Easter. And uh, I remember standing up here, November, December. I have the video. I asked the staff to chop up all the videos. It was so interesting. The first two, I've never stood up. There's never been one thing in the, in there, in, since I pastored this church, I stood up as a church and said we were gonna do that we hadn't done. Why, because I'm so good? No, because I don't speak until I hear from God. It's not about my opinion, and I'll never forget, two weeks before we even got the contract, I, man, the, I had God never sp spoken to me audibly. Some of you think I got a bat line to God. I really don't. There's a sense on the inside. It's my thoughts, and then I share it with my, my overseers, and we share it with the trustees, and everybody's like, that's a word. That's, so there's a confirmation from those who I am under authority in. They have the authority in my life. And so it's like, okay, we're in agreement. And so I stood up and said, hey, I believe God wants us to have that building, but we don't have the signed contract. Within two weeks, God worked a miracle. There was a full price cash offer on that property and the land next to it. And I want you to know that land is ours too. That six acres is gonna be manifested soon. I know that God's given us that land. The people that had the cash offer rescinded the cash offer because they heard we wanted the building and said that church needs the building. Come on, if God can talk to kings, God can talk to the people that have what God has for you. Some of you are worried because other people are moving towards your direction and your, your vision and your dream. No, baby, nobody can rob you except you. I'm gonna talk about that next week. You gotta come back for that one. But I'll never forget, stood up, said we need a million dollars in 100 days. How many remember that? We raised just shy $1.192 million in 150 days in the middle of COVID. We closed on that property April 20th. We weren't even meeting. And so I'm telling you, it's, well, what you're saying, Pastor, I'm saying you gotta be willing to give up your reputation. You gotta be willing. I remember standing up here and said, hey, listen, I believe this is God. You guys agreed with it because look at what happened. If you didn't come into an agreement, we couldn't have done it. And so as a church, we grabbed a hold of it. And the reality of the dream that was on inside became manifested on the outside. You gotta be willing to 
Be courageous. I'm going to fail. Who cares? Fail forwards. Fall forward. Why why would I want a backup plan? What a demonic thing, a backup plan. No, no, I want a forward plan. Look, I'm going to aim for the stars, but what if I hit the moon? That's all right, baby. I'm just aiming forward. Some of you got to get rid of this backup plan, this set. No, no, just go all in. See, the problem is you're not all in, and you've been lying to yourself. God, I'm trying. This is a word for somebody right now. God, I'm, no, no. As long as you got a backup plan, you're not fully committed. And if you're not fully committed, you will never realize what's on the inside of you. Okay, I got to go. I got to move, man. I hope you guys are getting this. Second thing is you, you may be stuck, but you're not stranded. Let that sink in. You may be stuck. She's not stranded. What do you mean, pastor? Well, being stuck is really where there's something that's held back. Something's detained. But it's on its way. It's, it's just held back by circumstances. So, so, so you know, I, I'm, I'm stuck at work till my wife picks me up. But when you are stranded, there is no other option. There is no hope. I've been stranded at the airport because all the flights are canceled. It's hopeless. And some of you have been stuck so long, the enemy has been speaking into your mind. Your marriage will never. Your kids will never. Your finances will never. And so what was this being stuck? You now feel stranded. You, so the greatest indicator is do you feel hopeless do you feel like ah the hope of God has left God I know you saved me I know I'm gonna make it to heaven and maybe you believe for this and you believe for that but really this other thing you just put it under the shelf you don't even talk about it why because you've lost all hope you're stranded Phyllis last month her and Stephanie went out to Matagorda Beach and If you know Phyllis, Phyllis loves the water. She loves the river. She loves the beach. She grew up, her dad had a cabin on the the river. And so she just loves it. So her and Stephanie, my sister-in-law, took all 27 of our kids. (laughs) That's what it feels like. And they had to caravan. There's so many of them. So they're caravanning, and Phyllis had to take a detour. So Steph said, look, I'll meet you there. I'll drop a pin of where we're going to meet. So Phyllis picks up Raylan. They start their way and get on the journey. Phyllis is about eight minutes behind, but her and Steph are in constant communication, talking about it's going to be fun, going through all the details, what they're going to do. They're going to go fishing. They're going to lay out on the beach. And so they get out to Matagorda, and Phyllis says, hey, I've got to stop at the bait shop. Steph's like, that's fine. I'll meet you at the beach. And somewhere in the conversation, the cell phone service drops off with Stephanie, but not before she says this, when you get there, you've got to gun it. So Phyllis is like, is that a riddle? Is that a challenge? When I get there, I've got to gun it. What's the last word she heard? But she thought she had the directions to where she was going. There's a pen. So the problem is when she got close to where she was supposed to be, there was no cell phone service. And so all she knows is she's getting to the beach. And well, the beach access, she didn't see. But there's this nature trail access. So she's like, it must be the nature trail. So she goes down this place. She don't see anybody. She's like, well, praise God, favor ain't fair. I got the whole beach to myself. She heads down there, and there's this dip where the sand, this, it's a huge impasse. And the only thing she can remember was the last thing Stephanie said, when you get there, you got to gun it. Steph, Phyllis is like, I can do it. 
So she gets over there. She said, I wouldn't have normally done it, honey. But Steph said, when you get there, you got to gun it. So she guns it, and she high centers the expedition. That's not a low car. High centers. Sand all underneath the undercarriage. And she is freaking out. Because what was private and exclusive has now become a place where she could potentially die. She's like, what do I do? So she goes MacGyver up on them people. She breaks out. They had a shovel. She starts shoveling. She shoveled for 45 minutes, got all the kids out. Shovel with, she says, hot. We're dying. It's hot. It's hot. So they're chilling. Come on. She got so desperate, she put Carson, my 12-year-old, in the driver's seat. Come on, somebody. You desperate. When Carson, who can't even see above the steering wheel, she's like, you do it. I'm going to push. And they're rocking it back. And Carson's like, I got it. She said, sand was going everywhere. She's like, if I were to tell you we were stuck, we were stuck. And she's like, I'm concerned. Like, we're really going to die. We're going to die. She starts praying. All of a sudden, way off in the distance, there's somebody out there got a truck. Come on, praise God for a truck, especially if it's a Ford truck. Don't want no Chevy, don't want no Dodge, don't want no Toyota, I want a Ford. But I'm sure it was a Holy Ghost Ford. So here it is, got the Ford truck. That's what I see anyway. So here we are. Come on, we're gonna get it out. So she's stuck thinking, look, we're gonna get out. And finally they get out. So what she realized was the only way I could be stranded is if I give up. I think it's a picture of all of us. See, before COVID, we had this connection with God. Before COVID, we had clarity. Remember moving forward. Pastor, your word for this year was moving forward. 13 weeks. Longest series I've ever done. Moving forward. But how come sometimes I got to go backwards to go forwards? And so it's like, I don't feel like I'm going forwards. And so you had a word. God told you to start a business. God spoke to you to tithe. God spoke to you to give to the building campaign. God spoke to you. Whatever it was, you're like, woo! (laughs) Old school came out on me. Sorry. Y'all remember the only two-step hop? Horse and rider jumping to the sea. Y'all remember that song? Oh my God, I just brought y'all back. Had the banners. I mean, I'm not hating on nobody. It's all good. Lord, help me. You had a word from God. Had a word. Had a word. But somewhere along the way, you lost the signal. You got disconnected. You stop being able to hear clearly from God. Maybe you stop praying. Remember, we're on vacation. We got a little bit of different mentality. God, I'm not going to talk to you the first moment I get up, but I will talk to you at some time. And that sometime became never. So you got disconnected from the source that could get you from point A to point B. And somewhere along the way, you went off the words you thought were the last thing that God said. And because you did it in your own strength, it got you stuck. You simply just got disconnected. And now you find yourself not only stuck, but feeling like you're stranded. I'm never going to get out. There's no hope for me. I want you to know there is hope. Everybody say, there is hope. 
And here's the challenge when you try to do it on your own. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. You thought it was the right way, just like Phyllis. I thought that nature trail was the right way. It was the wrong way. She was supposed to go to the beach access. Some of you thought, I'm supposed to do this, but it was the wrong way, and it's led your life down a path of death. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, this is Paul's words to us. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Endurance, what's that mean? Don't quit. Phyllis, she would have stayed stranded had she given up, had she quit. You know, she could have pulled out all the beach stuff and said, well, kids, we're here. Mama, what are we going to do? We're going to hang out. We're going to enjoy the beach. We're going to be here for how long? I don't know. It don't matter. We're on the beach. Some of you have settled in your discomfort. Some of you have settled in your dysfunction. You've normalized it. You've said it's okay, but it's not okay. It's the enemy lying to you. John chapter 8 says that the devil is a liar and he is a father of lies. So everything he whispers in your mind that's not from God, you got to know the devil. So if he says you can't, that's because he knows you can Every negative thing he puts in, you reverse the opposite and you go find some scripture. Because if he's breathing it, if he's speaking it, then I promise you it's the opposite of what God wants to do in your life. My marriage will never work. Lie. My kids will never change. Lie. My finances will never be blessed. That's a lie. But here's the deal. You can't just hope it and think it. you got to know it. How do you know it? you got to get the word of God inside of you. The problem with American Christianity is we are the most biblically illiterate generation that has ever lived in the history of the church. Over 20% of Christians never even read their Bible. 40% read it occasionally, and then only 20% actually read it every single day. And you wonder why we can't seem to get out of the mess that we're in. We wonder why it's so easy to believe the lie of the enemy. It's because we don't know what God says about us. We got to look at Paul. Here's the thing with Paul. He was shipwrecked. But he realized this passage, I, I, I pray this passage just about every day. I got four journals that I've had since 2001 and now I'm building journals on my phone that I go back to and I read because when I read the word of God, the rhema word, the ones that come alive, that means my spirit needs it, I need it. I may not know I need it, but God does and so he's trying to get that word on the inside of me for the problems that I've not even faced yet. And look at what Paul says and I love it. 1 Corinthians 9, 26, he said, I run with purpose in every step. He didn't say some steps. He didn't say when it felt good, when it seemed right. He said every step. So when he was shipwrecked, he said, God, you didn't cause this, but what's my purpose? God, you take my pain and you turn it into purpose. No pain is ever wasted. So God, I choose in this moment right now to live moment ready, knowing that in this moment there is purpose in the next step. He found his purpose. And I want you to know every one of you are on a spiritual journey. Everyone, whether you realize it or not, you can be, you can be atheist all, uh, all day long. You could be agnostic. You could say none. There's a whole generation of young people that are being raised up right now that don't affiliate with any. They're just nothing. 
You can say I'm not in a spiritual journey. No, you are because God created you. He hand-fashioned you. And Ecclesiastes says he actually dropped eternity into the hearts of every person. That's why you can be rich. You can be successful. You can be intelligent. You can reach your dreams. And still at the end, realize and wake up that everything you've done is meaningless. Rich people are some of the most depressed people I have ever met. Why? Because they climbed the ladder the world said would make you happy and it didn't make them happy. They're miserable. Their marriage is miserable. They got stuff, but the problem is the stuff has them and they'll never find happiness because the only thing that should have us is God, the creator of heaven and earth. And until God has us, our hearts, our soul, every part of us, we will never be happy. It's not even about happiness. Happiness is based on circumstance. Joy is based on the condition of my soul. So I'm a tour guide. That's the way I look at it. Every, every week, here's what I'm thinking. How do I get you to take steps? I just need you to take steps. See, if you come to church every single week for 20 years and that's all you ever do, can I just tell you, you're not going to change. Oh, pastor, don't you want me to come? I do want you to come to church. But listen, that's just the first step. How many know people that have been to church for 20 years and they're still just as mean today as they were 20 years ago and maybe even meaner? You're like, good Lord, I used to wait tables. We had a restaurant. I'm like, good Lord, please. We actually closed on Sundays. Not because, well, maybe because of Christian. I don't even know. It's terrible. Didn't know change. Why? Because change happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday. Change happens when you find a small group. Change happens when I do life with a community of people. We've got over 30 small groups that have launched, some in person, some online. Why do you have them? Because we're trying to give you something to do. No, because I'm trying to have you experience healing in your heart. James 5.16 says, confess your faults one with another. Pray for each other. And here's what's amazing. The Bible says, then you will be healed. People think, well, healing comes from God. Well, it does and does it. God uses people to bring healing. Forgiveness comes from God. So if I can keep you away from people, I can keep you from experiencing true healing. So we do about next steps. Someone said, well, why, why do we have next steps? Because I want you to walk with purpose in every step. I'm reminded of Alexis Alamia. How many saw the young lady right here? Alexis, where you at, Alexis? Can you come out here? Come say hi. Just wave at everybody. Alexis is like a daughter to me and Phyllis. Say hello, Alexis. They say, how many love Alexis? We matchy, matchy. That wasn't even intentional. So Alexis, here we have Alexis. She was 15 years old when she came to our church. At our two-year anniversary, she walks through the doors, and we got connected. She actually ended up being the babysitter of our kids. She was 16, Phyllis and I traveling, and she got all four kids. <laughs> we just figured better her than us. And I was <laughs> she was crazy enough to watch all of our kids, but responsible. And we just poured into her. She went off to Highlands College. My pastor, Pastor Chris Hodges, came back down. But here's what's amazing. The journey of her life didn't happen on a Sunday morning. She listened to her pastor talk about a process to discover your purpose, a process to discover who you are, because we believe design reveals destiny. And until you uncover your God-given design, you can't take steps to truly walk in your destiny. So she went to this class that we had called Next Steps. Next steps. Well, what is that? That's a four-week class for about 45 minutes. You walk through each week, and we teach you the purpose of God for your life. You take a test. You uncover your spiritual gifting, your personality profile, and then you begin to say, okay, where would my life best be moved forward in? See, your destination, your purpose is not a destination. It's a journey. 
It's not like I didn't wake up one day and say, boom, I made it. I'm a pastor. No, baby, I'm, I, I'm walking in my That means today I'm better than I was yesterday, but tomorrow I've got to be better than I am today. There are dreams that God moves me forward in. And it's amazing with Alexis. Here's, here's the story. She goes to Next Steps, been here just a couple of months. She uncovers that her spiritual gift is worship. She ain't never sang a day in her life, not publicly. She's walking through struggles and trials. We're praying for her parents to come to church, to give their life to Christ, her sister. she got all kind of crazy things happening. Look, if you could say someone could be stuck, Alexis could have been stuck, but she chose to not stay in self-pity. She chose to not be focused on herself in this fact that she was going to wallow around with what wasn't going right. She said, God, help me uncover my purpose so I can make a difference in the lives of others. She uncovers that, man, i got a spiritual gift. It's worship. She goes to infuse which is our worship small group to say, hey, look, okay, great, you're, you got a gift of worship. Let's see, let's uncover it, let's develop it. She goes for three, four months, and all of a sudden, it wasn't three, four months later, I see her on the stage. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, man, she has this amazing gift. She ended up doing the Easter special at 16 years old, and God moved powerfully, and from that time on has continued to move forward in worship. Why? Because she said, I'm going to submit to the process and uncover how God created me so I can take steps to move forward to fulfillment in my purpose. So we have to realize, here's the thing, most people won't do that because you're focused on your problems. I love the dream team. Where are my dream teamers? Come on, dream teamers. Someone say, well, what's the dream team? Well, most churches call them volunteers. We call them dream teamers because they're living the dream that God has for their life as we build the church together. And what we realize is this, dream teamers are not people without problems. They just got something greater to live for than their problems. Your challenge is the only thing you have in your life is your problems. So you're focused on them. You're living for them. It's all that consumes you. But when you realize there are people that have it worse off than you, think about it. No matter how poor you are, there's someone who's even poorer than you. No matter how sick you are, there is someone that's sicker than you. No matter how destitute you are, no matter how addicted you are, no matter how broken and dysfunctional you are, there is always someone who is worse off than you. And if I will stretch my hand out here and say, God, I'm going to help reach the lost. I'm going to use my gift to touch people's lives. Here's what happens. God just pulls your hand, and here we are. We're just pulling people through. Again, there is no perfection expected in this place. We are in a hospital, not a museum. God is working on the hearts of every person. And if we will have something greater to live for, it will pull us out of our problems. You'd be crazy to think that I've never had a problem when I preach to you on a Sunday. Be crazy to think, Pastor, it was all perfect. No, no, bro. I think it was the fourth year of this church. I had the worst year of my entire life. I don't think I've ever had a worse year. Nobody knew it. You know who knew it? God. I mean, Phyllis knew. And, but here's what I realized. So I can quit and stay stuck, or I can say, God, I may be shipwrecked, I may be stuck, but I ain't stranded. And God, as I continue to love people, you love me. See, this is what I realized. When we focus on people, God focuses on us. Here's the last thing, and I'm going to get you out of here. Anybody getting anything? Third thing is this. Delay doesn't mean denied. Delay doesn't mean denied. 
Philippians 1.6, I want you to get this passage in you and we're closing. It says, I'm certain that God, now this is Paul speaking. How many know if anybody has the authority to speak, it's Paul. But most of the New Testament, two-thirds of it. It says, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. See, the belief, the, the belief that the enemy wants to deposit in your life is you will never, you could never, it will never. You've been denied. Here's the thing that I struggled with for a long time. You're not good enough. Anybody ever felt that? I mean, you try, you try, you try. And here's a challenge. You can come into church. And it looks, here's the problem with performance versus becoming. They both look the same at the beginning. Can't tell the difference. Why? Because it seems good, because I can't judge your heart, can't judge your motives. But both of them produce totally different fruit. See, when we perform, it's based out of fear. When we become, it's based out of faith. And so when we are living a life of fear, the enemy can plague us, the enemy can derail us, the enemy can cause us. Think about this. Peter goes to Jesus. He's one of the 12 disciples, and he tells Jesus, when Jesus says, I must go and give my life, that, that, that I will die, Peter corrects Jesus, the Son of God, God himself. Peter corrects him. No, 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 no. Never, never. Think about what was the, the motivation. It's fear. Why? Because if Jesus dies, then my hope is gone. Why? Because I'm thinking Jesus is going to establish an earthly kingdom and overthrow the Romans. So if Jesus dies, my position is gone. And so fear begins to motivate his life. And what we see is the basis of fear. Think about this. Peter lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus, one of the original 12. When Jesus is crucified because he's never dealt with the fear in his life, he denies Jesus at a critical point by a teenager. A teenager causes him to deny the Christ three times. Why? Because he, he had fear. Performance. But think about the upper room. In the book of Acts, Acts 1 and 8, they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, what does the Holy Spirit do? It gets rid of flesh. It gets rid of fear. It gets rid of all the things on the inside. Now, you have to continually walk in it, but then here we see a man who was intimidated by a teenager step out in probably one of the harshest conditions, a place where he could have been murdered on the scene for saying what he was about to say. He could have been crucified just like Jesus, and yet he walks out of that upper room, and he steps out. 3,000 men give their life to Jesus in one moment. Why? Faith produces miracles. So I think for us, you have to realize, am I living in fear? Am I living in faith? That right now, God, delayed doesn't mean denied. I choose to believe. God, I choose to stand on your word. God, I choose to know that you're walking with me through this. What we do is, can you just stand up? Don't leave, just please don't leave just yet, but go ahead and stand up. I, I'm gonna pray over you. 
And then I want to take just a second, I want to pray for those of you that even today, you're ready to surrender your life to God. But don't leave, just, just stay with me. Can we just close our eyes? And I really believe God wants to do something in your life. Maybe you're at home right now. I'd ask you if you're at home, go ahead and stand up. God wants to do something special right now. And I really believe in this moment that you are going to have a deposit from God, that seed that's been planted, that's going to move you forward. Look, you don't have to get fully unstuck. It's not like you're, the, you're, you're like Paul at the end of the three months, you're ready to go on. No, but I can move forward. I can take a step. Some of you, that step is you got to get in a small group. You need to join it. Go to the online, join a small Some of his next steps, look, we have two options. You do it in person. Go out the foyer. They've got signs. It's actually over here to my right, your left. Don't wait. Do it today. It's a step. Some of you, you've got to get into the word. You've got to pray. You've got to, so, so God's given you this step, and now here's the reality. You have to choose to move forward. God's ready when you're ready. Yeah.